This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6am on Tuesday, the 26th of April. I'm Shazana Mukhtar together with Tan Chen Lee and Wong Xiaoning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a, a nice Tuesday, isn't it? We're nice and cool, correct? Mm. And we hope that you have a lovely start to your day. Well, hopefully it won't pour like it did yesterday evening. Oh, that yes. was torrential and I'm sure everyone's been watching or looking at all the pictures on social media. It is absolutely shocking. So if you're been affected, my heart goes out to you actually, or, or if your car was submerged. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Those pictures of parts of Kuala Lumpur uh, underwater was was pretty... It, it, I know flash floods are common, but these happened in places that we don't normally see flash floods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, KLCC, Jalan Tun, Sambatan, practically every artery out and into KL was flooded. So I'm sure traffic was horrendous. Added to, the, added to that, of course, is all the last-minute shopping before the Raya holidays. I don't know. I hopefully it won't rain so badly tonight. But I think the 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 weather department is warning that there will be heavy storms for the next few days. So be careful out there. But it's always been raining in the afternoon these days. Somehow or rather, not sure why. But yes, it's happening. Um, it's the monsoon season. Plus, it's extremely extremely hot in the first part of the day. So I think it causes these heavy downfalls later on. Well, mm-hmm. there you go. Keep an eye on the weather report for the rest of the day. But in the meantime, we do have a lot of exciting conversations lined up. So here's a preview of what's going to happen. Later on at 7.15, how are members of the judiciary and legal profession held to account for breaches of ethics? We discuss the accountability framework with Suhakam Commissioner Dato Mah Wenkwai. And at 7.30, we're going to talk about German economy um, to know exactly what's the toll of the war in Ukraine on have on the German economy. And Frederick, Frederick Kliem of the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies weighs in on the implications of Europe's largest economy. And then at 7.45, we're going to find out when do you actually need to set up a special cabinet committee. We discussed this decision uh, with actually Sugambut MP Hannah Yo. That's right, because uh, last week, it was it that the Prime Minister announced that they're setting up this special cabinet committee for the protection of vulnerable groups. Mm. Uh, we'd like to know why and whether oh, this is actually oh, yeah. needed, given that we do have a Ministry of Community, Women and Family Development who covers the welfare of vulnerable yeah. groups. And I'm just curious, in general, when is it allowed and when is it not allowed? Because do you want another layer of bureaucracy? Uh, we will also be discussing policy measures to mitigate rising food prices. And Minister Datuk Sri Alexander Dantalingi, he's the Minister for Domestic Trade and Consumer Affairs. He's actually going to be joining us um, with his thoughts on this. We'll have all this and more today on The Morning Run. So stay with us, BFM 89.9. That was Cold Chisel with Flame Trees. We're starting off the morning with some good old-fashioned pub rock. Uh, Cold Chisel, an Australian pub rock band from the 80s. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. 6.07 in the morning. there's a new TV show on the Apple TV Plus platform called Severance that's creating quite the splash. I think it's pretty critically acclaimed. Now, this show is a thriller and it revolves around the severing of lives between work and home. So the you working in the office is completely independent of the you at home. And there are two uh, different, uh, I suppose, plot lines going on between the two. Um, 
It's pretty fantastical. Uh, it's gotten good reviews, so you may want to check it out. But we are discussing the more realistic version of this in our normal, everyday lives. That's right, Shah. So the show is an exaggerated metaphor uh, of how we behave in real life. Um, most of us actually adopt a different personas to some extent in, in between your work and home settings. I don't know whether we do that over here. Maybe if I were to pose that question to both of you, <laughs> this is a bit are of you, a revelation. Do you, are, are you two different personalities when you come to work and then when you when you go home? I don't think I am because if it's very uh, the example quoted in the article, this is uh, actually quoting from Bloomberg um, it's a very, they showed an example, uh, an introvert may act as an extrovert in the office if that's what the job demands uh, well of course in our job we need to be a little bit more extroverted I suppose or more outspoken well I am actually I do talk a lot at home as well <laughs> <laughs> okay so no difference of personalities between home and the for office for me yes yes I, I think that for me I do have different personalities and not just between home and office but it depends on who I'm interacting with the social right? setting and, mm. so and, perhaps, the, uh, for, and who you're talking to correct right? so I may for example be a lot more laid back and a lot more um, freewheeling with my immediate family. But if you put me with extended family, then perhaps I'd be a little bit more um, respectful, a little bit more demure, a little bit more reserved. And then if you put me in with this group of friends compared to that group of friends, I may act differently as well, depending mm. on the vibe of that group. So yeah. I would say there's like multiple multiple different personalities at play here. I think that's a very good point, because if you were to talk about different personas at work, it also depends on maybe which level of work you are. So if you are a CEO and you're maybe your person at home personality is more like a bubbly type, you know, I don't think you want a CEO who's too bubbly, right? I think the reality is that you're never very far from the core of who you are. So let's say, I would assume it's a scale, right? So of a 1 to 10, and 5 being the middle of your personality. Uh, I suspect most of us are within the band. It's not going to go beyond this 1 to 10, where you're like outgoing in the office and then you come home, you don't say a word, you're a hermit. No, I don't think it ranges so widely. There's just variations of you because all of us have a centre, right? A core of, our, of who we are. But for me, I would think I am probably surprisingly very quiet in the house mm -hmm. or when I'm in a social setting of people I don't know because... I've spent the whole day talking professionally. <laughs> so sometimes I, I do like a bit of silence and a bit of contemplation when I get home. Uh, I do have my crazy moments for sure, but it it varies on who am I talking to and the setting. But this article is interesting in that it tells you, or at least the writer of this Bloomberg article says, that a real separation between work and home cannot possibly exist in the long term. It will cause almost a breakdown of who you are. Yes, because work is life and life is also work. They're interconnected. It's just that how do you achieve this balance? And this this whole show is a premise on what's the right balance? Hmm. And it's also about uh, suppression, I would think. So if you're someone who's really uh, outspoken at home and then you have to suppress and not speak a lot at work, how would that how would that be? You know, If you have to suppress and hold it all in, you have opinion you want to say, but you have to hold it all in. I think it's quite difficult, isn't it? I would think so, yeah. And I guess it really depends on the work culture of each company, right? There are some companies that really encourage their employees to speak out and there are others that would prefer, you know what, just do your count bean counter work and, and then go on home after that. So I guess what, what do companies themselves want to cultivate among their employees? What kind of atmosphere? What kind of environment? Um, I suppose that would also contribute to how 
uh, open or outgoing you are in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. And I also wonder, why do some people do this? I mean, we can't rule out that there are people who actually have different personas at work and also at home. But why do they have to do this? If we were to think from their shoe, if we're in their shoe and because to think about that. Because working environments change, right? So if I look back at my own past career, uh, definitely half of what I do at BFM or the communication or how loud we are and the topics that we talk about, I probably would never do that in my previous life. It just would not seem appropriate. But somehow in a media company, in radio, there seems to be much less rules in terms of how outgoing you can be. And actually, it's encouraged for us to you know, talk a lot with our colleagues to foster that kind of communication, to have that social cohesiveness. Less so in some offices where it's encouraged to be absolutely quiet and bosses don't like it. So we all learn to adapt to the working environment. And I guess there are just naturally some rules that you have to play to. I mean, and then you will know after a while, this place is not suitable for me. I need to move on. Uh, that's life, right? So we find the place that suits us and then we also sometimes adjust to suit the place. So tell us what you think. Do you have different personalities for home and the office? You know, at what uh, point does this become perhaps counterintuitive or or less beneficial than initially intended? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. 6.13 in the morning, we're heading into some messages. And when we come back, should employees who work from home be paid less? Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was Still Sound by Toro Imua, also known as Chaz Bear, an American singer. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. It's 6.20am on Tuesday, the 26th of April. Now, as we move through the different stages of the pandemic, the discussion on remote working has progressed over the years from, oh, how can we do it during this pandemic? To, oh, what can we do to make it better? And now, as things are reopening up and we're moving into an endemic, the conversation is, should we keep uh, allowing work from home? Uh, The debate heated up recently when MEF chairperson, that's the Malaysian Employers Federation, uh, Shamsuddin Bardan said that it's reasonable to cut pay for those working from home as workers do not need to commute to work. And that did spark a fury of reactions from different people. But I'm wondering how you react to this statement. I would think that uh, working from home actually you don't really have a border between work and personal life anymore. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't really work from home anymore. But then um, I see my 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 husband at home and he's really having a hard time. I mean, not all the time, but uh, depends on when it is. Like we said, during the pandemic, there's sometimes no weekend, no nighttime, no public holidays. So does it really, I mean, I think they should be paid more in fact, <laughs> instead of cutting pay. So the, the, the costs that they don't spend on commuting, it's made up in the costs of other things, perhaps the cost of having to do no more work because you're in one place at home and, and just the, the lack of uh, work-life balance as it, you were talking about earlier. Exactly. And we actually, I'm sorry, Shawnee, yes. Uh, and we were actually talking about, because among bankers, right, they, they are really, well, sometimes we are a little bit calculative, but we were talking about the other expenses. You're not sometimes calculative, you are calculative, that's why you're a banker. It's your job. Bankers. Yeah. Count those beans. Calculate. <laughs> so yeah, we were, there were actually conversations about, um, you know, how do we get paid or compensated for the electricity bills that we have to pay extra? You know, there was actually some talks of that, like having more allowance instead, you know, to, to pay for uh, electricity and even maybe um, a computer and all that. And that was the point more MP Said Sadiq um, made in response to um, Shamsuddin Bardan's comment. The fact is that, sure, you may be, you're not paying in commuting costs, but they're definitely paying more in electricity costs and exactly. utility bills. So should, should comp- 
companies shouldn't companies be paying for that as well things like internet t- mm-hmm. things like equipment uh, to work from home a lot of employees actually forked out their own money to be able to create that environment for them to work from home yeah but i think some companies to be fair i know like one for example petronas they adjusted it to compensate for working from home so they gave out internet packages uh, they gave everybody laptops a lot of banks did it insurance companies also did it to be fair at bfm we now have notebooks given to us uh, we previously didn't have uh, we also have a bit more of a flexible working environment. We are, you know, told to come back to the office for reasons because we, we have to be in the studio. We have to be communicating with each other. Recording from home is not the ideal situation, but we find a balance. But I think the point is, as we transition, that balance is going to be a little challenging to find. Every time work changes, there will be some challenges and both employees and employers have to have that open discussion as to what works for them and what doesn't work for them so i think it's also down to setting if i'm i'm thinking as a boss i need to set these kpis for my employees and be very clear to them what these kpis are so there's no confusion in terms of deliverables the problem is when you say okay you can work from home but then you don't know what the deliverables are but you also need to foster the ability to Create, I mean, you need to have the environment where the person can deliver these deliverables. That's when there's an issue. I mean, the pandemic really um, shed light on this in the sense that it showed that work from home is possible for a certain group of uh, workers, particularly knowledge workers. And or white collar workers. Or white collar workers. So if you were in manufacturing, you're blue collar, you were building a car. Yeah, that's not a factory. It, it work would from be home very is challenging. not is not a reality for them. But for those who could do work from home, the pandemic showed that it can be done. And now I think the the thought of going back to the previous era where the thought was it couldn't be done, a lot of workers are having trouble accepting that because hey, we did do it, we did deliver results. So why can't there be more flexibility in terms of allowing us to continue this? So like you said, Shouting, there really needs to be a discussion between employees and employers I think yeah it's not it can't just be dictated anymore but it really has to come to um, a compromise of sorts uh, in order to I suppose peacefully transition in a way that um, keeps everyone more or less content I I don't think anyone's going to have exactly what they want but if there's flexibility and and uh, you know just ways to to kind of uh, yeah because otherwise you lose the talent right that's Mm. one issue I mean, in the US, in a way, the employers have a bit of a, um, uh, employees have a bit of upside because the labor market is extremely tight. But even if the labor market is not tight, like in the case of Malaysia, where unemployment is still present, I think there's no point losing talent over this. I think there needs to be a discussion. But I'll just say something maybe not popular. If you were lazy before the pandemic, you can be lazy at home anyway. <laughs> so how you manage these people is always going to be a challenge. I will end on the point that you made um, earlier, Chandi, about should this mean that uh, employers... I'm, I'm hoping this drives the discussion to employers raising wages instead. Because if we showed that the previous wages was good for work from home and now that we have to commute, costs are rising, you know, then maybe this discussion is going to elevate the state of our wages overall. I'm hoping that's the direction it takes. Provided there's productivity gains coming <laughs> along with it. Okay, that also has to be objectively measured. 6.26 in the morning. Tell us what you think. You know, how should worker, work, employees working from home be compensated? What's the situation like in your workplace? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. 6.26am, we're heading into the 6.30am News Bulletin and after that we take a look at what's making headlines around the world. Taking you to the news is Third Eye Blind with How's It Gonna Be? BFM 89.9. That was OMD or Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark with their song So In Love. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. 
with Wang Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. It's 6.40 in the morning on Tuesday, the 26th of April. Now we're taking the time to look at what's uh, making headlines around the world. Tell me what's caught your eye this morning. I'm going to talk about China. Um, Chinese central banks is stepping up support for their distressed property sector, and especially the developers, by allowing banks and bad debt managers to loosen restrictions on some of the loans to help them ease their cash crunch. So as we know, China has been suffering a little bit over the past uh day, actually, uh, or past weekend, actually, because Beijing is also at the threat of having lockdowns. So it has an impact on the economy. So I think Chinese central bank is trying to ease the uh, situation for their economy. Yeah, there were pictures in a lot of the news portals showing large queues in supermarkets in Beijing. There are a bit of panic buying going on because, let's face it, they've had a they're experiencing what we experienced two years ago, Exactly. Right? It's like all the way back to, go back to zero. It's like yeah. snakes and ladders and they've gone down that long snake back to the beginning of the pandemic. Well, they handled the crisis very, very well in the beginning, but clearly now COVID cases are quite high. I mean, Shanghai yesterday, 20 over 1,000. So Beijing, the numbers are still very low, but I can imagine if you get a, if you have a cluster, then the, the numbers will be quite large, especially in, in China where people do live in huge apartment blocks and you've seen these fences coming up, these green fences, literally dividing one apartment block from another apartment block. And there's like no reason. They don't tell you why. So I'm I'm curious like how it feels there because the these the lockdowns are very prolonged. They're not just two weeks. There've been some apartment residents residences in Shanghai have been locked in their apartments for like four, five, six weeks. How long can this continue? What was supposed to really be a ten day lockdown has morphed into five weeks now. And we do see how this is affecting the global economy with supply chains being snarled again. All it's very similar to what yeah. we saw at the very beginning of the After pandemic. After all, I want to highlight China's stock market, um, Shanghai Composite Index down 5.13% yesterday. Um, and the CSI 300, which is the broad gauge index, also down 5%. It's the, it's the sharpest decline that we've seen since 2020. And later on, we'll be talking to Brock Silvers, who's a fund manager, as to where we can expect the equity market to be hitting. Do tune in. That's going to be happening at 9.15. And the repercussions of this lockdown is clearly being felt in equity markets, not even just in China, but around the region as well. And you guys are right about the supply chain because there's also port congestion in China that is prompting more vessels to refuel at certain ports because they are they have to wait outside uh, while the, the the lockdown is happening and they have to they have to keep burning fuel so they have to refuel at certain points so they actually have an increase of bunker uh, fuel uh, 1.9% more than a year ago. ago. All right, so we're definitely seeing the implications of this uh, lockdown happening in China, but also of what's going on in the Ukraine war. So just uh, some quick headlines on that. Um, the U.S. is looking to restore diplomatic presence in the Ukraine in Ukraine uh, after their uh, Secretary of State and also Secretary of Defense visited Ukraine um, in a rather, well, I wouldn't say secret, but they only revealed that they were there after they had left, uh, I suppose, for security reasons. Uh, but Anthony Blinken and also the Secretary of Defense, um, you know, reiterated their support for Ukraine and the fact that they're providing a lot more military weapons to the Ukraine military in order to um, withstand the Russian onslaught. Now, I'm looking at the Guardian uh, website and it's actually reporting that UK's Defence Secretary Ben Wallace has said that approximately 15,000 Russian personnel have been killed since the start of the war in Ukraine on January, sorry, February 24th. So the casualties on the Russian side seem to be rising. But unfortunately, the war doesn't seem to be anywhere close to ending. No, it doesn't. And we don't know what the casualties are on the Ukrainian side. They've been very tight-lipped about their losses and failures on the war front. I mean, for good reason. 
reason, I suppose, they don't want to let um, what their weaknesses are out. Mm. But again, this is going on for far longer than anybody wants or expects it to. So Sergei Lavrov, who is the uh, Russian uh, foreign minister, says that peace talks are continuing. But there remains a real danger of a third world war and um, not good news at all. Not only third world war, but I did think that he warned of nuclear war, which to me is very, very alarming. There has not been a nuclear war. There's only been one instance when nuclear weapons have been deployed, and that was in Hiroshima and Nagasaki back in 1945. And if there was any country that's willing to deploy those kinds of nuclear weapons, I'm sorry, that's absolutely abhorrent. And I cannot... I really hope that we do not come to that point. Uh, we're coming up to 6.45 in the morning. We're taking a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion with a look at what's uh, making the headlines in our front pages of newspapers and portals. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was Feist with One Evening, but you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wang Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. It's 6.50 in the morning on Tuesday, the 26th of April. We are flipping through our local newspapers and clicking through the news portals to see what's uh, making trends and headlines this morning. Um, what do you have in front of you? I'm looking at page five of the star uh, that talks about beware these recycled tricks, which is uh, talking about local maid agencies here. And apparently there are a number of maid agencies out there who are offering uh, recycled maids um, to desperate how- Malaysians who actually need domestic help. Um, so what they do is instead of paying 15,000 ringgit for, for maid, you actually pay only like 5,000 ringgit. Um, but unfortunately, the maids are, are not there for a permanent basis, they'll be they will leave or run away after two days or a week, uh, and then these mates will then be recycled to another home. So they recycle this five thousand ringgit over and over again as part of the scheme, I suppose. Uh, and on top of that, about the bottom part of the page, I did talk about part-time mates as well because uh, apparently a lot of our so-called a scam. Uh, People are actually offering mate, part-time mate uh, by making you click on a certain uh, website or WhatsApp and making you download an APK file so that they can gain access to your tech codes and eventually have access to your information, your SMS and your uh, your bank account information. Oh dear, that's very worrying. Taking yes. advantage of the shortage of domestic workers that we have in the, at the moment and uh, oh, that's terrible. So do watch out for that. Uh, keep an eye on that. Don't fall prey to scams. What about you, Xiaoning? What's in front of you? Uh, the lack of coverage of the floods in two of the local papers. So I'm looking at the New Straits Times and the Malaysian Reserve. And what's absent, or did I miss it, is uh, pictures of the floods. Uh, because you do see that, I think, in the Star. The That's Star right. does cover it. And even the Singapore Straits Times has covered it, showing that several major roads submerged by flood waters in KL. Of course, the portals all covered be it Malaysian Insight and Malaysia Kini, uh, showing wide coverage of the devastation caused by the floods. Now, the point is, you know, this is the third major flood that we've had in the last few months. And I wonder from, um, you know, like a, a KLite, why do we always seem to be ill-prepared for these floods? We live in a monsoon tropical zone. Rain is bound to be heavy occasionally. What are we doing to be better prepared for these floods? What is the reason for this? Do we really need another smart tunnel part two? Because I've seen more discussion about it. Or is it really you know, a lot of trash in the drains? What is it? I don't, I don't get it. 
a lot of construction as well. I mean, it always seems that KL is always under construction at some part or another. I wouldn't be surprised that this is also contributing to the blockage of water that happens every time there's heavy rains. But yes, it's such a long-standing issue and we're seeing it happen in places that maybe weren't so typically flooded in the past. Um, so that's a cause for concern and alarm and hopefully it's something that uh, town planners and DBKL as well as other authorities are actually seriously looking into because this can't keep happening over and over again. Although it has, although it has been, it's just a groundhog day of floods every time it rains. Yes, and I was also looking at another article on The Edge that talks about uh, house, Malaysian households losing 210 ringgit per month in food waste disposal costs. Uh, so, which is quite a lot, actually. If you were to look at it by the year basis, you're actually losing 2,600 ringgit in terms of food wastage and food disposal. Now, I think I want to highlight something that's quite tragic that's going to happen in a few days. Uh, it's Nagedran's mother files final legal challenge two days before execution. And this is an article in Malaysia Kini. And we also saw pictures of the vigil that was happened that happened in Singapore, I think last night or two nights ago. And basically, his mother has filed this final appeal at Singapore's Court of Appeal today to set aside his conviction and death sentence. Now, the hearing is set for 2.30pm today on the eve of his execution. And I think we need to remind ourselves that this is a person that has intelligence below that of a normal individual. Um, and it just seems tragic that in 2022, we are still facing death penalty, albeit we also practice this here in Malaysia. We were supposed to change the legislation and that has not happened. Does the execution of a mentally impaired person actually uh, contribute to ending this drug yeah. war on drugs? I think that's a no, huge I mean, question. He clearly wasn't the mastermind, right? He has a mild intellectual disability due to his lower than average IQ of 69. And this is medically proven on top of it, right? So if you really want to stop the war on drugs, who should we be at, you know, going after? The mules? Um, to me, that doesn't resolve the problem. Indeed, um, indeed. Other headlines, we've still got time for maybe a quick one, uh, one more minute. If not, I'd like to turn to our attention to maybe some social media comments uh, coming in from our listeners who were following our conversation earlier about split personalities between work and home. We've got Stephen Ho who weighed in saying that I've known some companies require MBTI or other sort of personality tests, but to be honest, people behave differently under stress. And I think that's true. When you're in a stressful situation at work, that could totally change your personality from maybe being very calm to being completely flustered or mm -hmm. vice versa, in fact. You might see like the complete harebrained people become absolutely calm and meticulous yeah. and smooth when they're under pressure. If I get very quiet, you all should get really scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 6.56 in the morning. We're heading into the 7am news bulletin and after that, we take a look at how the global markets closed overnight as well as the recent headlines concerning Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Stay tuned for that conversation. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.